This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Pleasure to have you back. I uh, just wanted to let everyone know, sorry, this podcast is basically a little bit late. Uh, I've had a lot of problems with my bronchitis over the last two weeks, and it was very, very difficult. I tried to record the intro a few times, and I uh, was just coughing my guts out involuntarily. It was just terrible, and I'm still uh, coughing now, but hopefully I can get through this intro without any trouble at all. Um, so glad again to bring you another episode 46, Game Cooking Round 2 with Hunt Catch Cook's Jason Spencer. And if you want to visit Hunt Catch Cook, go to huntcatchcook.com. How to get your uh, meat from field uh, to the table with minimal fuss and make that game meat taste absolutely fantastic. And Jason is going to be a regular on the show, bringing us lots of uh, game meat recipes, uh, lots of uh, tips and tricks and you name it. He's going to bring it on the show to do with game cooking. So thanks again, Jace, for coming on the show. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Coming up on the show, what have we got coming up? We've got uh, Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30 talking about the TV show, uh, talking about his business and uh, why he made the show, what he enjoys about the show, the difficulties of making a TV show for hunting and shooting. And uh, it, was great. it was great to actually get uh, Rob on the show. So I've already recorded that one, so that one's going to be coming up again soon. Uh, for our Everyday Hunter segment, another episode coming up. Uh, we've got Shooters and Fishers Party's women's branch, Melissa Robinson. She's going to be coming on the show to have a chat to me about what it means to her to be uh, not only a female in hunting uh, and shooting, but uh, what she enjoys about it, uh, what obstacles she faces, and uh, also talk a little bit about the Shooters and Fishers Party's women's branch, uh, which I think is really good as well and positive. Yeah, it was a really, really good podcast. I really, really enjoyed talking to Melissa. She's very passionate, and I think that's a fantastic thing. And again, I apologize for not getting more women on my show. I think Melissa's actually only, in 46 episodes, Melissa is only going to be the second female. Uh, I originally uh, spoke to SSSA's executive director, Diana Mellum, Uh, I think that might have been episode 18 or 19, can't exactly remember, but we are going to get more people on the show, more females we've got coming up, and we're going to share this love of hunting and shooting with our female listeners as well, and hopefully a lot of our female and male listeners can relate to our female uh, guests that come on the show. That's going to be really exciting. Also, too, got a bit of an announcement. Uh, We're going to be launching, hopefully, maybe not this week, but next week, roughly about the uh, very early February. Uh, thanks to Daniel McLaughlin for coming up with the idea for the name of a new podcast segment we're coming up called Straight Shooting, and uh, where we're going to be talking about uh, politics, news, uh, Facebook stuff we're seeing, uh, firearms laws, stuff to do with organizations and some of the things they're doing in the shooting community. You name it, we're going to be talking about it. And I've actually got a co-host. We're actually going to be recording this live from my house. And we're going to try and also, too, in the next few months, hopefully... Uh, get guests involved and listeners involved as well by calling into the show and we're going to have live call-ins so I'm just trying to work out how exactly I'm going to do that but it should be really really good and get you guys input calling into the show I think that's going to be fantastic Uh, I do have and that show straight shooting I am going to have a co-host of the show who's going to be with me on a regular basis every fortnight we're going to record this show And uh, we're still going to have our guests, we're still going to have our Everyday Hunter segment, we're still going to have all that, but what we're going to do every fortnight, we're going to have a straight shooting podcast. So hopefully uh, I'm going to, instead of the one podcast per month, 
Hopefully, I'm going to be getting out, I'd say, at least uh, two to three podcasts uh, per month. Again, we'll be having the intros and the outros of the show, just recording the show and putting it straight up online. A little bit of editing. Uh, It's a bit easier to edit those live sessions than trying to edit the guest podcast. But again, we're still going to have the guest podcast, so don't worry about that. Also, too, uh, yeah, the person who's going to be co-hosting with my show is actually uh, Mario. Uh, Moz will release it now, but Mario, or Mars, I call him, uh, Mario Vlatko, uh, was a guest on my show for The Everyday Hunter a few months ago. And uh, we live near each other. I first saw Mario, actually, uh, at the rally. And uh, I didn't know I was actually, he was the guy I was actually watching on YouTube. And we got a lot of the same ideas uh, about freedom. The freedom to own firearms, the freedom to choose which firearms we want to own. And uh, we definitely have a really lot in common about freedom in this country. A lot of people are struggling with the term freedom. Uh, We're going to be talking a lot about freedom. And hopefully you'll really enjoy the podcast. Uh, this That podcast may not be for everyone. Uh, we're going to be calling out a lot of apathetic shooters, not personally, obviously. But what we're, what we're trying to do is motivate you guys uh, and everyone that's listening to the show to get out there. Keep calling your local members. Uh, keep visiting them. Keep writing to your ministers. Uh, I just read one the other day where someone said we should be re- uh, writing to Minister Hodgkinson here in New South Wales, the Minister for the Department of Primary Industries, to thank her for the reintroduction of state forests. I mean, yeah, we're thanking them for reintroducing state forests with more restrictions, online modules, GPSs. I mean, what else are they going to think of? And we're supposed to ring them up to actually thank thank them for that? Uh, Sorry, I don't think so. I'm not going to ring up and thank or write a letter to thank Barry O'Farrell for screwing shooters over in the first place. Absolutely not. More regulation, more trouble for shooters. Uh, I just I just can't see how that's a good thing. Yes, of course we're back in, but that's the, that's the goal of the Liberal government, isn't it? To take away your freedoms, uh, give them back to you again with more restrictions. They've been doing it since 1996. A lot of you guys know I don't support the Liberal Party, never have, never will. If you're a Liberal lover, then you're best off probably not listening to this podcast because the Straight Shooting Podcast is really going to be a hard-hitting podcast in my opinion. And again, one thing I wanted to explain too, a lot of people have had issue in the in the past uh, with egos. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I don't like something, it's not personal. It's not personal to any political party. It's not personal to uh, a specific organization. You know, there's a lot of issues going around. Like one would be, in my example, the Boarding Shooters Association support of the National Park Hunting Culling Program, the National Parks and Wildlife Service. Yes, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I tell everyone not to support that. Again, is there an issue with me and the Sporting Shooters Association? Not at all. They've done some fantastic things for shooters. Uh, and you're not going to, everyone, it'd be silly if you could, you would say that you would agree with everything everybody did, every organization, every political party. A lot of you know I'm a supporter of the uh, Shooters and Fishers Party. I was only in their offices just before Christmas doing a lot of their filming, which you can see on my YouTube page, Aussie Feral Control, uh, where I interviewed Robert Borzak, got a lot of questions for the run-up to the 2015 election. Again, but I'm not a supporter of public asset and essential services sell-offs, such as you know gas, water, electricity. Uh, I'm just not a fan of that. I never have and I never will be. And it doesn't mean, you know, am I walking away from the SFP? Not at all. I'm a huge supporter. Life, you know, and soon I'll probably hopefully uh, join up and hopefully I can get a lifetime membership. I want to join as a lifetime member. I'm a huge supporter. Again, it's not personal. You're not going to agree with everyone on everything from every organization. It's just not possible. But again, don't think that's me or this podcast making issues specifically you know, with the organization involved. No, not at all. There's a lot of positive. A lot of these organizations are 
doing. Uh, and there's there are some negatives. Uh, shooters aren't happy about certain things, and I'm going to call those organisations out on that. But we're also on that show going to praise a lot of the organisations for the good things that we're doing. So, you know, again, it's not personal. Get over the egos. Join the podcast. Listen to it. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, it'll motivate you. And it's about a lot of the things going around uh, recently. Uh, such as, you know, the Rossi Circuit Judge is one thing we're going to be talking about on the next show. Uh, we're also going to talk about deer as a game species as well. That's a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, and also about freedom to own firearms. So there's definitely going to be a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about. Um, again, as I said, you're not going to agree with everything everyone does. And I guess you guys wouldn't expect me to. And you wouldn't expect me to lie to you guys uh, on these issues uh, and just toe the line because it's the easy thing to do. No, we're not going to do that here on the Australian Hunting Podcast. We're going to tell it like it is, and that's why it's going to be called Straight Shooting, because exactly that, we're going to be straight shooting, and I hope you enjoy that podcast. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, If you want to uh, have a look at the Australian Hunting Podcast, you want to see what we do, you want to have a listen, of course, you need to go to australianhuntingpodcast.com.au, jump on our Facebook page, almost 3,500 likes on the Facebook page, so jump on that, Australian Hunting Podcast. If If you want to go on Twitter, uh, sometimes I go through spells of Twitter, sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't, but I do try and retweet and post up things through Twitter. So AH Podcast on Twitter. Uh, also too, jump on iTunes. A lot of us, a lot of my listeners actually download the podcast from iTunes uh, or they listen to it from the website, whichever one suits you better. Um, so jump on iTunes and if you're listening to this right now, please leave a comment. That would be much appreciated. I think we've got over 60 comments of five stars, uh, a few comments on four stars. I've had one three star. I haven't had any one or two stars yet, so hey, don't give me one or two stars. Come on now. Um, also, too, you can find us on Stitcher.com. If you're anywhere in the world with a Wi-Fi connection, you can listen to us on Stitcher. And, of course, as usual, share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family. That's always important. And if you jump on the website, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au, uh, you can also, uh, ju- uh, on the right-hand side, widget bar, donations are really important. With this new podcast, I just invested in uh, a new recording device, uh, two new microphones for Mario and myself to uh, do the podcast co-hosting. Uh, what else did I buy? Yeah, two microphones, a couple of microphone stands, some pop filters, uh, a USB interface for the computer as well. So, you know, we spent over $1,300 by the time it's all said and done. So any donations, of course, you know, yeah, it's a shameless plug, but come on, if you love the show, you know, what's $10, you know, to d- dedicate to the show? If I get 100 people at $10, that's paid for. So again, any anything you can give is always appreciated. I appreciate all the listeners, all the different opinions I see on the Facebook page. I really appreciate it. And I don't don't dislike anyone for having a different opinion than me, but I do believe we do need to get our firearms rights back. We do need to uh, start talking a lot more about freedom, and uh, the Liberal government seems to be, which I don't like, seems to be talking, and Tony Abbott seems to be talking a lot about freedom. Uh, hopefully that is uh, seen in uh, the reduction in red tape for firearms owners, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. We won't know until the future. Someone heckled me. I've had a few people heckle me about my uh, signature sign-off into the show, like, on earth is that all about (laughs) what would we be without the signature sign off to the show so here it is without further ado let's get into my interview game cooking round two with hunt catch cooks jason spencer this is jason spencer and we're back for round two talking about game cooking for hunt catch cook and you're listening to the australian hunting podcast
Jason Spencer, welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, mate. The best hunting and shooting uh, fishing radio show here in Australia. Teaming up with Hunt, Catch, Cook for another episode. The best game cook in WA or Australia. It's a fantastic uh, combination, I think. What do you reckon? Absolutely, mate, for sure. How you been, Jase? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Mate, what's been happening since we uh, spoke last with you? not only yourself, but I guess your hunting and also Hunt, Catch, Cook? Um, well, the hunting's been fairly steady. Um, obviously, summertime comes along and um, I change a little bit from hunting into uh, fishing, you know, the crab season comes along, I do a little bit of crabbing and and uh, shift it around a bit. I've got my dive ticket since I, we last spoke, so I'm doing a lot of underwater hunting, um, but uh, Hunt Catch Cook has absolutely gone mad. It's it's uh, it's gone big. I've got a new website up and running, um, www.huntcatchcook.com.au. Check it out. Um, I've been producing cooking segments from the boys at Whole Hog Productions, so they've had a, a couple of DVDs just come out with me doing cooking uh, segments in them. I've also uh, started writing for uh, two books, or, or sorry, two magazines. Uh, one is uh, Wild Boar Australia and uh, Big Game Australia. So doing that and a lot of things in the pipeline in the, in the future for Hunt Catch Cook. So it's growing all the time on Facebook. It's uh, people asking questions, things are happening, and it's really coming along. Mate, it sounds absolutely right for magazines, but you've gone the big time for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's keeping me busy, put it that way. Yeah, I know. What, what did you? I remember saw on Facebook. You sent me a photo today. What were you? What were you fishing at today? What were you? What were you fishing? I went down. Uh, well, last the last night I was uh, down the beach and I was beach fishing and and uh, it was blowing a blowing a gale on shore. So um, we packed up the rods early and, and started on the beers and we had a little bit of a cook up down there as well and that was fantastic. Uh, in amongst the sand hills with the family and friends and had the stove out and we're doing some uh, a little bit of cooking, a uh, bit of game cooking. And uh, kids were running around, and, and it was really relaxing. And look, we ended up staying there till 12 o'clock at night, and a bit of floral driving on the way out. And, and you know, that's what it's all about. That's um, you know, that's that's hunting for you. That's fishing. It's it's just relaxing. It's involving the family. It, it's having fun. And then then this morning, I was up uh, up with the sparrows. I suppose you call it. We got up at five o'clock and straight down the Swan River. And uh, trying to have a have a go at the flathead uh, on the sandbank. So just casting some lures out into the and uh, soft plastics out into the sandbanks and trying to get uh, a few flatties, and um, no luck at all. So you know you win some, <laughs> you lose some. Yeah, no, that's right, mate. Tell me when you you know when you go camping or hunting or when you got to cook, do you always get stuck with the cooking or? <laughs> Sometimes, uh, not all, not all the time, mate. I, I try to. Um, Usually what happens, being hunt, catch, cook, my mates are always around here and I've got the barbie fired up or I'm cooking something, you know, all the time. We, we come around for a few beers and I'm cooking. When we go camping or fishing, guess what? It's time for Jason to sit down. You boys are cooking. Your turn. So, you know, they know that and uh, no, we have fun. We, we share it around a little bit and I, I love tasting other people's cooking, you know, just as much as everyone else. And it, it's good to down and see the other side, see how people work, you know, see what kind of flavours they like to do or how they like to cook things, you know. And I think a lot of um, a lot of cooks, a lot of chefs, even mums, you know, they, they love a free food. They love to sit down and enjoy somebody else's cooking, you know, the flavours and what they bring to the table. Yeah, no, exactly. I just thought, you know, imagine that. You're obviously used to your particular food palate and then, 
you know, some mug comes in trying to cook for you, and I'm surprised you're not turning your nose up at it. <laughs> <laughs> no way, mate. No way at all. I'll eat all sorts of um, all sorts of food and different tastes. You know, I enjoy uh, a variety of tastes, you know, and and it's always good for somebody else to have a crack at it. And I enjoy watching other people cooking, you know. And I, I don't mind. I'll step in. I'll have a go if if they're keen on, you know, if they want some information or they want to know how I do it. I, I'm happy to show anyone how I cook things or do things, you know, to, um, to, to taste how somebody else does it. And it's a little bit of a, you know, you can, it's a signature. You can add your own flavours, you can add your own, the way you cook things, and, and it's good to sit down and, and taste other people's cooking. I love it. All right, Jace, mate, tell us some of the benefits of uh, eating game meat. What are some of the benefits uh, that we can enjoy? I believe, you, you know, well, it, it's true. You can't get any better or you can't get any more free-range than, than game meat. It, it's true free-range. It's true organic. Um People always say, oh, this day and age, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, I went down the organic grocers and got this or that. Well, if you go hunting, it's it's organic. You know, you can't get any of it. And, it. and it's got none of that chemical in it. It's, you know, not saying that meat has got chemical in it, but it's you know where it's been, you know, you, know, you shot it yourself, and it's fantastic. And it is, it's fresh. You know exactly what's happened to it, you know, how it was slaughtered, what what's done to it, the animal didn't suffer anything, you know. And, and that's... That's a benefit for me anyway, and I see it as a big benefit. The other thing, um, it, it brings people together. It's, um, you know, hunting and fishing. Some people hunt by themselves. Some people fish by themselves. But, you know, mainly it's with family or mates or friends or, or you go, you know, you might go camping for the weekend or set up a camp and it's with a big camaraderie or, you know, out with the mates, uh, having a good time, having a laugh and uh, or the family, and, and you bring it at home, you're providing for the family as well. Um, and, and I suppose a big point is, um, you know, a lot of the game meats are, are very, very low in fat and high, in, you know, high in, being low in fat, high in protein, um, and they're good for you. And yeah, it's a good quality meat. Look at kangaroo, for instance. You know, it's a, it's uh, recommended by the Heart Foundation. Mm, yeah, I know. I've had a, I've had a bit of kangaroo. I don't mind the odd steak here and there, the old kangaroo steak. Mm. <laughs> Beautiful. Mate, people struggle, let's say, uh, with the gamey taste of game meat. What are some cooking methods that we can use uh, so they can obviously enjoy their game meat without, say, having it in, say, steaks? Or what, you know, what options are available for them? Um, what they want to do, and, and I find this, um, this is interesting because, um, you know, kids or, or my, my wife um, is not a big fan of game meat, you know, and... and you know, some of my friends, uh, wives and so forth, aren't big fans of game meat. But you can take the flavour or, um, take, you know, take the taste away from the game meat. Um, say curry is a very rich flavour, you know. So maybe um, do a curry or uh, strong sauce flavours, a Moroccan sort of flavour or Italian, um, an Indian flavour, and take that taste away. So, you know, people are eating the meat, I think, oh, this is not too bad. This is, you know, we're, we're having a curry or fantastic curry. And, and you do, you, when you go to uh, like a curry house, you sit down and you'll, you'll start having a curry. You're not tasting the meat, you're tasting the flavour of the curry. Um, the same yeah. with game meat, you know. You try and, and not hide it, but try and take the taste away from, so, so the, you know, it's a mind thing. So people aren't, aren't thinking, oh, you know, You've just told me, you know, you're telling the story about how you went and shot the buffalo and cut it all up, and you know now we're eating. You're talking about shooting the buffalo, and 
You know, some women, are, <laughs> uh, like, you know, so even some people, you know, like, oh, gee, I shouldn't, you know, should I be eating this sort of thing, turn their nose up? <laughs> if you can mask that flavour a little bit, um, you'll find that people start to enjoy that flavour, you know, that they'll start to enjoy the, the curry and then the, then the meat and, and it all works in. It's a fine balance. Yeah, no, you're right. Like talking about, uh, you know, recipes and say, like you said, masking the flavour. Uh, let's talk about, say, game meat for kids uh, or for yep. people that don't like a strong flavour. What sort of, you know, like a, a great recipe, you know, that you could give, you know, most people, kids or adults that you sort of, you know, you know they might enjoy. One of one of my favourite things, like if, if people are shy on game meat and, and my kids as well, um, you know, they they're, they're you know they've got um, particular tastes, and especially my son. But uh, what I like to do is mince it, um, and you can utilise that mince, and and you can um, you're, you're kind of watering down the flavour with the mince. You can add stuff into that mince, and, and you can make uh, basic recipes out of it. And and when what I do is um, maybe make some sausage rolls out of it. So you know they're tasting a bit of pastry, and they're tasting that mince has got a, a little bit of uh, say garlic in it, or um, a little bit of spice in it or some sauce mixed in with it, you know, and and that makes it all the difference. Um, mm. Another good one is a pie, you know, make a pie out of something. Uh, one of my favourites, uh, wild boar, uh, mince it up and, and put a gravy into it and, and uh, make wild boar and uh, cheese pies. Oh, or, or pork, oh, yeah. pork and cheese pies, you know, straight in the pie maker and, and it's nothing to, you know, knock out, uh, you know, 40 or 50 pies, put them in the freezer. You come home on a Sunday, you've had a big day out and a uh, couple of uh, wild pork and cheese pies in the freezer straight out into the oven. Beautiful, mate. Oh, how do they go? Are they hit or? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say, well, you get to keep them for yourself, but no one else. Does. What do the family think of them? They like them too? Or? They don't mind them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah the, young, the young fella and... Uh, you know, he, he loves me sausage rolls, so he's a big fan of sausage rolls, mate. He loves that. Um, and uh, he he's that sort of guy or that sort of kid, you know. He loves the taste of that, the sausage roll and master flavour a little bit. And, yeah, he, he uh, there's not much left on the plate when he gets stuck into it. No, I was going to say, when you when you often come home, when they know... <laughs> this is kind of a funny one, I guess, but when they know you're cooking, do they sort of say, hey, hey, what's that? You know, do they ever always give you the what's that or do they... Or... <laughs> They've certainly turned their nose up at me cooking before, but don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not uh, going to hide the fact that my kids have walked past the stove or the barbecue and, and go, what are you cooking now, Dad? And I'll tell them, and they're, oh, <laughs> and they'll you know, keep walking, you know, but it's, once again, not everyone's going to like everything that you cook, you know, and that's a, you know, not everyone likes a curry or not everyone likes, uh, you know, certain flavours, and it's, that's the thing about food. You, um, it, it's different tastes, and and people like that. You know, people like different tastes, and and I'm not afraid to, you know, to tell somebody, oh, but, okay, this is what I'm cooking, and they say, oh, I don't like that. Well, it doesn't doesn't offend me at all. You know, it doesn't really worry me. I'm I'm not going to try and convert you into game cooking. You know, it's, it's just how I cook it, and I'll I'll try and do a variety of flavors and a variety of recipes on my web page as well as. Uh, you know, what I put on Facebook. And some people, you know, I've had various comments and, and I can, you know, I'm pretty thick-skinned, I can live with that. Uh, you know, people say, oh, that's yuck or that's disgusting. Well, it's just not, obviously not their taste, you know. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. I can imagine you're probably cooking like a, you know, like a, a mince deer or goat, and you've made it into like a, you know, spaghetti sauce, and they're like, "What mince is that?" <laughs> I bet you they have at least <laughs> well, once or twice, surely. Yeah, it's not not when you when you're cooking mince and things like that, you know, or, or making a lasagna or uh, maybe a spaghetti or something like that. You can uh, you can get away with it. It's re- it's the stronger flavors, you know, the the really strong flavors that people say, "Oh, I really don't like that," you know, the goat or and you you know you haven't put much to it because you want that goat flavour to come out. So uh, you know people people say that that oh yeah I'm not really like I'm not a big favour you know I don't like that I'm, that's not my favourite. So yeah, I don't mind. As I said, I don't mind. It doesn't really upset me. But I, I try and cater for a variety of people and a variety of tastes. Yeah. Yeah, no, good stuff. And let's talk, another option uh, is sausages as well. Let's talk a bit about making sausages, you know. Uh, is sausages, sure. Are sausages a good way to sort of introduce game meat to people also? Um, yeah. Sausages are a great way. Um, and you can add any flavour combination you like, you know. Uh, a lot of, lot of kids like sausages, a lot of adults like sausages, um, and there's a lot of different flavours you can add to them. Um, but you've, or, or, an important thing that I think of anyway, and, and when it comes to sausage making, and anyone will tell you that, is always cook a small bit of the mix before you pack it into the sausage skins because you'll soon find out when you cook them with sausages and they taste like crap, you've, uh, it's too late. <laughs> no, so good point. Good I, point. I, usually grab a, I usually grab a little bit of the mince and just fry it up in a pan and have a taste, you know, maybe give it to the kids or give it to the wife. So what do you think of that, you know? Um, yeah. it, it just works. It, yeah, it's so much easier than uh, than eating the whole thing yourself, you know, and, and not sharing the bounty with the family. Exactly. What what sort of equipment? If we want to make sausages, you know, we want to we want to get in there. We want to, you know, we've come home with a goat or a deer or a wild boar or whatever it may be. What sort of yep. um, uh, equipment do we need to start with? Well, the, the first one's a mincer. Um, it doesn't have to be anything flash. It doesn't have to be, you know, the most expensive or commercial quality, you know, quality or uh, really big, you know, it doesn't have, it doesn't, an industrial size, it just, what I use at the moment, um, oh, well, I started off with a hand mincer on the kitchen bench when I was younger, yep. and, and I'd make me sausages that way, and I'd do it all by hand, and a lot of people still do it, and, and you have a little bit more control over it other than using an electric mincer, but at the moment, I'm out with a wife's mixer, and it's got a mincing attachment on the front of it, and I'll bang that on, and, uh, you know, much to her disgust, I'll, I'll uh, knock out a few <laughs> kilos of sausages. You know, um, so mince is the important, um, and it's got obviously got to have a sausage nozzle on it, and the size of the nozzle is dependent on what size your sausages want to be. Um, if they want to be small beer sticks, or if they, if you like large, you know, big fat sausages. So, you know, that the people like different size sausages, different uh, you know types of sausages. So, get the size sausage nozzle that you want. Um, and but I just use a standard. Uh, I think it's a, a 20 mil or 20, 22 mil, something like that, and um, like a barbecue sausage, and they're fine, you know. Um, the other one, sausage skins, and there's two types. You can have natural or a synthetic skin, and that's up to the individual. You know, the naturals. People say, well, the natural skins taste better and easy to work with, and they don't bust so much. Um, I use synthetic skins. Just only for the fact that it suits me better, because um, they're here and I can, you know, I've, I've kept them for a long time. I, I don't make a, a heck of a lot of sausages, so uh, when I do, you know, I'll make enough for myself or enough for a party, or and I like to keep them fresh. So 
Um, yeah, I, I use synthetic skins, but natural skins are good. Um, and the other the other tools, I suppose, is a sharp knife and uh, a tray and a bowl. Yep, no, good stuff. Can we, you know, can we, you'll talk about keeping them fresh, but can you, you know, can you, you make them in large batches? Let's say you've got a, a big deer or a big goat or whatever it may be, and you obviously got a lot of, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to get through the meat, say, for an example. You know, can you, you know, put them in sausages and, and put them in the freezer sort of thing, and they'll be good for a while? Oh, that's ideal, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you're not going to, when, you, when you're cutting uh, meat up, you're not going to use all that, that whole meat, you know, there's going to be offcuts, and, and that offcut is perfect for sausages, absolutely. And yeah. um, you, you throw it into the, the mincer and mince it all, and, and you'll find that all those offcuts, and you know, when when you're uh, cutting the animal up, are perfect for sausages. Yeah, no, exactly. You're totally right, mate. What times? Let's talk about what types of game meat can we use in sausages? Well, as it is, I've, I've used a lot of game meat in sausages, and I've tried, I've experimented, and tried with all sorts of things. And uh, even duck, you know, I put duck in sausages. Um, nothing's, I suppose, sacred from going into a sausage for me. Like if, if um, you, you know, one of the good things I found is, uh, well, one of the things that determined that I was going to make sausages out of it was if it had a little bit of bullet damage on the carcass, you know. Um, I'd shot it somewhere or the bullet had yeah, gone astray somewhere and, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect or, or the shot wasn't, placement wasn't perfect, so... Um, I'm not saying use the the bruised or the or the bad meat, but there was um, cuts that I could have utilised, and and it went straight into the sausage meat. But all types of meat can be used, um, but you must add a percentage of fat, and I think it's about depending on the type of sausage you want, it's about 17 to 20 percent. And yeah. if you can use the normal fat off the animal, but you know some animals aren't fat at all. A goat, you know, there, there won't be much fat on a goat depending on, on season and uh, and where it's been eating. But another thing to do is grab some beef suet or beef fat and just add that into your sausage. That helps it cook, um, helps the expansion on the sausage as well. So um, that's that's a good thing to use. And, and I'll, I add uh, a little bit of fat to my sausages. So I'll, that's how I like them. And... Uh, and it works out well. But any type of meat you can use for sausage. What's one of the better ones tasting? A goat sort of better? Yeah, wild pork. What's what's sort of what tastes the best in your opinion? Since you've been making them. In my opinion, I love uh, wild pork. Definitely yeah. wild pork. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's just got that that flavour is there for me, and um, I can do a lot with it. I can uh, add a, You know, you can add a lot to it. You can change the flavour around a little bit. And even venison, you know, you've got a big animal and you can pump out a few sausages, fantastic, mate. Yeah, can um, can you can you mix them? I know I've heard, I have heard some guys, you know, for the fat, they might add, you know, say venison at you know at 50% or 60%, then add like a, a, a pork mince, which is giving it the extra fat. Are, you, are we okay to sort of um, uh, mix different types of game meats? Sure, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I've made a... Uh, Dorawurst or drywurst sausage. It's a South African sausage, and I've put it in um, a dehydrator and dried it. Now that was goat, and uh, I added a little bit of wild pork. Now, very lean on the fat. You don't need much fat for it uh, because it, uh, you dry that out. Um, obviously, fat doesn't dry too well, so you, you keep the, the fat percentage low on it and, and dry it out. But yeah, the, you know, there's different flavours. You know, the pork and venison, or or the goat and 
yeah, you can mix it up a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that, for sure. Yeah, I know we were talking about last time on the on the show, we were talking about, you know, uh, sanitation and making sure everything's clean. But, you know, generally deer probably, you know, seem to, you know, amongst people's minds, seem to be sort of a clean animal where they don't sort of look too much for disease. Um, you know, maybe followed by goats. And, and generally people are very hesitant sort of around pork and about pigs and maybe because they're in the troughs and all, I don't know, but they're always dirty. But, you know, what can, you know, what can we do to make sure... Uh, by by nature, a pig's sort of a very clean animal. Should we take more precautions compared to other game meat? Uh, what should we do? Good question. Look, I get asked this question quite a lot uh, via my Facebook page or uh, you know via the website. People ask me, how do I know if uh, the wild pork that I'm going to shoot is healthy and safe to eat? Um, a big thing is uh, basic animal husbandry. You know, basic have a look at the animal. Uh, is it running? Did it, you know, if you're standing there and you're walking up to it and you think, yeah, this animal's not moving, I might shoot it and we'll, we'll eat it. Uh, you know, you start to second guess yourself, well, hold on, why didn't it run off? With the other, you know, all the other pigs ran off except that one. Um, you know, they're, they're um, you, you've got to, got to take a little bit of common sense into place here, you know. Um, what kind of uh, conditions are the pig um, eating, you know, where where is it eating? What what season is it? Does it move well? Is a pig alert? Um, once you've shot it, have a look at it and say, well, okay, is there any big abscesses on it? Uh, is there any cysts? Was it cut open um, around the gums and the mouth? Is it okay around there? You know, is it uh, the gums nice and uh, pink? H- have a look at it. Um, you know, j- just general check over. Um, and then when you're gutting it also and, and, you, and you're cleaning, use some gloves uh, if you have to, if you're not too sure. Um, keep everything clean. Um, you know, you're obviously not going to start gutting it in a big pile of shit and think, oh, gee, I wonder why I've got shit all over your meat. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, try and uh, gut it. And, uh, and I like to skin my pigs. Um, some people don't. Some people uh, will just take the hair, you know, they'll, they'll put them in, uh, they'll scold them and take the hair, put them in some hot water and scold it, take the hair off, give it a wash uh, and cook it that way. But I've found uh, the places that I hunt and uh, have a lot of root ticks on them and the pigs get covered in ticks and, and I just field dress. So I'm I'm out there and uh, I'll hang it up and skin it because I'm only interested in eating the meat. You know, I'm, I'm not too bothered about the skin too much. And you'll see, and that'll reflect in my recipes as well. You know, there's not a lot of whole pig in my recipes or, or pig with skin on. I think I've done some bacon uh and, and put a bit of bacon in there but, or, or smoke my own bacon and that was the only time I had skin on the pig whereas most of my recipes the skin will come off yeah Simple what about that. looking I, at, at the heart say what about heart and lungs can that give it away sure, and yep. the liver and that sort of thing can that give it away yeah it can uh, any flecks or, or specks or spots on the on the liver on the heart um, you'll usually find they're white uh, any obvious uh, worms and, and so forth and and as a rule I don't eat the offal, and I don't recommend anyone does eat the offal of it. Um, that's where you're going to have the problems in the offal, um, you know, tongue, that sort of heart, liver, kidneys, that sort of thing. Um, that's hence the reason uh, I say to people, look, if you're not too sure, use some gloves, keep your gear washed, keep it clean, wash your hands, and, um, you know, hy- hygiene is a big thing. 
keep your hands in gear washed, um, cut your meat up, put it in a bag, put it in somewhere clean, get it home, you know, hang it, refrigerate it, and um, cut it up, yeah. But, look, I've been hunting wild pig for, uh, since I was a kid, a few years, and, mate, never, ever had a problem. Yeah, do you, is there, reckon there's a huge, I mean, is, is there a big difference or not really compared, compared to, say, you know, your regular store-bought pork compared to your wild pork? Oh, for sure, absolutely. Um, you, you know, the the even when you're cooking it, you know, you won't find um, a wild pig that's going to have white meat in it. Um, you can get it fairly light, but it'll never be white. It's got that uh, that flavour to it, that gamey taste, and it oh, mate, it's absolutely beautiful. I'm I'm going to hang the phone <laughs> up in a minute and I'll go and cook something. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, good stuff. Also, too, we're talking about you know field dressing. You know, depends on what I'm doing. Depends for me, goats. I mean, they stink to high heaven. Sometimes depends on where I am. Depends on what time of the year too. Normally in That's summer. Right. Normally in summer, I'll just you know back straps out, lop the front and back legs off, and then you know I'll come and you know skin them and take the you know when I've sort of finished because you know couple of times I've, you know, in summer I've gone to gut them and they've, you know, obviously they eat the vegetation. I mean, they stunk to absolute high heaven. So do you prefer to field dress uh, and skin and hang up and do it that way or are you sort of depend on the situation or do you like to do the full uh, skin and field dress and gut and then take the cuts from there? Um, as in, like I'll, um, if I've, this is for goat and, um, you know, most of my goats are shot up in the station country and it's fairly hot. You know, it's fairly warm. And I like to have a uh, an esky on hand with a bit of ice in it maybe or a fridge, um, you know, the old angle fridge or um, even, you know, back at the uh, station homestead if you can utilise their uh, fridge or cool room. Um, but, but I've been out in, out in the uh, station country, out in the desert country there and, and we'll knock a goat off and, um, and straight out with the guts. And you want to get that animal as cool as you can, as quick as you can. Um, so you get the temperature out of the meat. If you can shoot in, um, you know, and it doesn't always present itself this way, but if you can shoot in the evening or, or towards the evening in the afternoon, um, you know, hang it up and um, at the cooler time of the day, that, that's much more preferable anyway. It's, it's better. And, and get that hot, get all that hot guts and, and uh, the hot organs out of the, out of the carcass. Um, if you want to leave the skin on it, uh, leave the hair on it that way, um, but I usually take it off again. Uh, you can wrap a uh, maybe a, a mesh net over it and let it air cool for a little bit in, in the shade. And then uh, if you can chop it up and get it into an esky or a fridge or, or hang it that way, not, not completely chop it up, but just quarter it or halve it um, and, and start that cooling process, it's all the much better for the game, mate. Yeah, I know some people have said about cutting bone, but let's also talk about the pieces of equipment you wouldn't be without, say, field dressing. I know there's certain companies, they've got packs of, you know, saws and knives and, you know, what sort of equipment do, you know, we need and what would you sort of, you know, think's appropriate to have uh, out in the field with you? Obviously, you said, you know, you've got to be able to cut up and quarter them or halve them. So what do we sort of need to use and what and what's helpful to use? Um, look, I suppose... Uh you, you know, you want a, um, uh, a a knife, a good quality knife. A skinning knife has to definitely be a skinner. Um, I suppose the other thing would be a gut hook, which you don't have to have, but it just makes that so much uh, better, and, and I recommend it. 
a little gut hook on the back of your knife or um, a gut hook that's you can just put into the into the gut cavity and and uh, you pull it down and that'll break the break the um, uh, the, the animal open and um, so you can get the guts out and, and it just saves not piercing the guts as well. Um, field dressing things really um, some bags uh, if you can get um, some uh, plastic bags uh, clean so you can put the meat into it uh, you can set it in the fridge in a bag if it's going to sit on ice you don't want it to sit in uh, cold water all the time which you know if, you, if it just to keep that hygiene you know keep keep it clean um, and, and I'd say a gamble and a rope as well. Um, gamble so it spreads, you can put it in the back legs and spread the legs apart and uh, hoist it up into a tree. Not always, as I said, it present, you know, not always that will present itself, but it just, that's what I take. That's what I use, um, a rope and a gamble. And I, I like to get that animal up off the ground, field dress it off the ground if I can. And, you know, obviously a big, uh, big beast or a big animal like a, uh, you know, big deer. Sometimes you, you can't do that, or um, you know, buffalo. You can't do that. It's all got to be on the ground. But I like to get as much as I can off the ground. Work off the ground. Keep the meat, you know, clean, um, and put it, you know, put it in uh, plastic bags when you're finished, or um, take it back to the homestead and maybe hang it in their cool room. Yep, mate. Tell the audience our which cuts of meat tend to, you know, generally need to be cooked, say, hot and fast versus, say, those other, you know, game cuts of meat that need to be cooked sort of that low and slow. Can you give us, give the listeners, an idea? Yeah, look, I wouldn't I wouldn't cook anything, you know, really hot, or, or not too hot anyway. Um, look, for instance, backstraps uh, or fillets, great to fry, um, and a, a steak, great to fry if you want to, you know, cut steaks on, barbecue it. Um, and being game meat, you want to be careful not to overcook it. So um, maybe the legs of the animal, I'm, and I'm talking, um, you know, the bigger animals here, not rabbit um, or quail or duck or anything like that, but I'm talking uh, deer, goat, pig, um, you know, those, those bigger animals, say the legs, you roast it or spit roast it nice and slow. So you put it on the spit, absolutely beautiful, put a marinade on it or, or baste it. And the front legs, say... Uh, you can cut them into chops or, uh, you know, um, front legs, you, you bone it out, um, season it and then roast it. Or, um, you know, even even your, your chops, you want to um, marinate it or, um, you know, you, you might want to cook them on the barbecue a little bit fast and, um, and have them that way with a bit of spice on it or a bit of sauce on it or, you know, you can marinate. So there's various ways to... Um, to cook various cuts, and that's, I suppose, that's up to the individual's taste once again. But saying that, uh, you, you know, the the types of big muscle, um, you know, big pieces of meat like steaks and so forth, I generally fry them pretty quick. Um, you know, and that's where you have a nice a warm barbecue, not too hot, and pretty quick, and uh, nice and tender, and turns out perfect. Do you normally use the barbecue a fair bit, or? I do a lot of my cooking uh, on the barbecue. A lot of it does, but um, you know, I have a roaster out on the barbecue, a spit roaster, so I'll I'll spit roast a lot of things, uh, fry it and barbecue, you know, on the grill. Um, I've started to 
uh, play around with smoking stuff now and smoking meat. So, you know, legs going into the, the um, I'll, I'll uh, bone it out and stuff it and, uh, you know, stuff something and, and then put it in the smoker and slow cook it in that smoker with a nice uh, charcoal smoke going over it. And, um, mm. and, that, and that works out perfect. You, you know, take uh, maybe six or seven, you know, eight hours to smoke something and uh, it comes out absolutely lovely. Yeah, I know. It sounds good, man. Uh, let's talk about both uh, summer and winter. When you say hunting, let's say, uh, how long should you hang your game meat for before you've got to get it either on ice in summer or let's say you're on a you know, two, three, four, even up to a one-week hunt and you know, you've shot a deer or a goat or a pig. How long can we leave it, say, hanging up uh, skin, let's say, uh, in both uh, extremes, summer and winter? Look, um, okay, first thing you do well first thing you want to do is get that stomach out ASAP and that's going to cool that that's going to cool that meat down um, and here's an example uh, one of the admins that that are on uh, my Facebook page here went up to a, a station up north and they shot a scrub bull um, winched it up onto the truck and uh, took it back to the homestead and that was in an hour and the the stomach gas in that stomach cavity had built up but when you've put the knife in to uh, get the guts out he actually thought somebody had let a gun off it was it was just a big rush of air come belting out and he ended up with uh crap all over him but um <laughs> oh no yeah absolutely beautiful wasn't it um so you want to you want to bring that temperature down as quick as possible uh keep the flies away from the meat and uh if you want to leave the skin on it but I, as i said i usually take the skin on that uh, take the skin off that helps and uh, you know, summertime, no more than a few hours in um, without getting it into refrigeration. You, you know, a couple of hours, and that's I'm saying that's in extreme heat. Um, different story in winter time. Obviously, there's not too many flies around, and you can uh, you can keep it for a fair while out in uh, out in the open in winter. And and that'll uh, as soon as that guts comes out, that uh, whole carcass will cool down, and then you can you know you can either hang it outside or or use it. Don't like to hang things outside for too long, but um, you know, put it under cover or, or put it under the, somewhere and uh, hang it or into the fridge, and perfect. Let's say you want to put them in the fridge. You want to hang. Yeah, you know, you've skinned it. You've taken out the guts and all that. You've cleaned it all out. Um, what can you know? Uh, how long can you just leave it, say, hanging in the fridge for? Is it good to you know age them? Is that just a you know a myth, or does that really work, or is it doesn't really matter? Well. Uh, as a rule, I usually let it um, sit for a couple of days when I hang it. So if um, if you're hanging it straight after the kill, like in, as you said, in the fridge, I'll take the shelves out of the old fridge uh, and hang it in there, and I can let it sit uh, for a couple of days, anywhere up to a week. Um, and I, I never sit it in blood either. Like if you sit your meat in blood or you put it in a container and, and that container, you want, you want to try and get that blood out of the meat and... and um, and get it to drain a little bit, you'll find that that's being the old fridge out of the back, and, and I've taken the shelves out and I hang it up in there, you'll find there's a fair bit of blood comes out of it, even after you've um, brought it back, you know. Um, so it'll, it'll still get that blood out of it, and if it's going to sit in blood, you probably only get two or three days out of it before it, uh, it starts changing the taste and before it starts going, you know, uh, you probably, you know, probably even going off. Is that two days because it's sitting in its blood? Uh so I'll let it uh, set, then cut it up, and then package it or cryovac it is best. And uh, 
yeah, and, and then then freeze it probably. You know, but you can sit there and age it for yeah anywhere another week uh, even after that. Not bad, mate. Let's talk about yeah when we're cooking, game sauces, condiments, flavors. What sort of you know do, do, do certain spices or sauces or condiments go with certain types of game meat? What's uh what's happening there? Oh, for sure. Um, look, I'll, I'll run through a few of them. Um, let's say duck. Uh, duck's a, a perfect one. Uh, orange, you know, duck and orange, or duck and citrus, uh, or some, maybe some tangy berries. You know, um, the, the flavours tend to complement each other. Perfect, absolutely perfect. Um, uh, that also helps with nice uh, thin slices of orange over the top of the duck. It gives that meat that citrus um, complement to it, and keeps the moisture in when you're roasting it or cooking it that way, or even uh, even grilling it. A little bit of citrus on it, beautiful. It's like fish, you know. Um, when people say, well, what do you put on your fish? You go for the lemon straight away. It complements it. It gives it that taste. It brings out a little bit of that flavour as well. Mm. Uh, and, and it works perfect with it, you know. Um, goat, for instance, I use a, a mint or um, maybe a little bit stronger flavour. You know, you can taste that mint through it. You can also taste, um, taste the, the goat and the mint or um, maybe a, a Moroccan flavour and... You know, you ask people, well, what do you do with your goats? I make a curry out of them, you know. So they have a li- they tend to have a little bit stronger flavours for the goat. It's that stronger that stronger meat. Um, let's say wild pig. Uh, you know, you, people tend to say, oh, uh, pork, apple. You know, perfect. You, you put it, mm. uh, make an apple sauce or um, oh, I make yeah. an absolutely lovely uh, wild pork and apple soup. And um, and just a, I've used all my pork bones, wild pork bones, and boil them up in apple cider. Put your veggies in after it, and um, right at the end, probably uh, ten minutes before you're ready to serve, cube up an apple and throw the apple in it. And that you don't want that apple to go soft; you're nice and crunchy still. And, and when you serve it up, you get that beautiful sweet uh, liquid with the um, or the broth. Um, the taste of that pork and the crunchiness of the apple is yeah, divine, mate, absolutely divine. Um, say venison, I like to put a bit of garlic with the venison, um, garlic or some herbs with it as well. Um, they always, I think it always complements it. Um, uh, rabbit, uh, everyone that associates rabbit, put some bacon with it. You know, that also helps it. That adds a little bit of fat with the bacon when cooking. Um, or if you're going to quick fry your, your rabbit, uh, you know, something nice and spicy, spicy to complement that. Um, what other meats can I say? Uh, kangaroo. Uh, here's a, a typical uh, something with a kangaroo. I like chili or something sweet and spicy, like a spicy chutney or a chili chutney. Even chili jam would be perfect with a kangaroo. And I think that'll bring out the flavours of the kangaroo and that'll really complement it too. Nice. Man, sounds fantastic. Let's get into a few recipes then. What about uh, goat? Give us a give us one of the go-to hunt, catch, cook Jason Spencer specials. Uh, right, here's a um, <laughs> here's one that, um, that I've had for a while, and, and this turned out really well. Is this and one of your, so, is this one of the big ones? One of the go-to's? One of the popular ones? Well, it, it has been popular, and um, look, I've told a few people about it, and. And I think it's popular for the, it's it's just got that lot of flavour. Uh, it's called uh, goat caldretta or caldretta gambing. 
If you're uh, Filipino, you'd probably uh, know this because they cook it a lot. They they cook it a heap. Um, it's a it's a Filipino dish, but as you know, Filipinos are um, influenced by the Spanish. They have a you know a lot of their cooking is Spanish uh, influence on it. And I'll I'll just run through it because it is absolutely beautiful, mate. For the ingredients, you want say one and a half kilos of goat meat, cut it into chunks or cubes. A large potato cube, a carrot, and cut that into chunks. Four cloves of garlic, crushed, an onion chopped up, a can of liver spread, and you can get that liver paste or liver spread, you can get it in a knob or a can. Um, a tomato, cut up, and if you want to put uh, a couple of tomatoes in, you can, cube it. Um, a can of tomato paste as well, 15 to 20 green olives. You want to pitted, pit the green olives. A tablespoon of pickles, chopped up. Uh, a big red capsicum, sliced up. Tables, uh, yeah, a tablespoon of ground black pepper, and two sem- stems of celery chopped, and half a cup of soy sauce. Now, uh, you've got three tablespoons of oil and half a cup of vinegar. And it sounds, uh, it certainly sounds interesting, but I'll tell you what, there's, um, there's some lovely flavour to it. And look, here's the method to it. Um, in a large bowl, you want to marinate the goat in the vinegar and the soya sauce and the black pepper for an hour, or if you want it longer. I actually marinate a little bit longer, to tell you the truth. Um, then in a large pot, fry the potato and the carrot for, uh, say, two to three minutes and set it aside, just so you get them um, starting to become tender. You know, you don't, want to, you don't want to put it in there and fry it for too long. Okay, in the in a pot, sort out the onions and the garlic in the oil, and add the marinated goat meat, and just set that marinade aside. Add the tomato and the celery, and continue sautéing that until all the liquid has evaporated and the meat has rendered the fat. If there's any fat in it, and you'll see it starts starts to uh, you know get rid of that water that that uh, starts to dry up. Then you add uh, add some water and enough to cover the goat meat. Okay, you uh, put a lid on it and boil it until it's tender, so probably an hour after that. Uh, you add the tomato paste and the pickles and you simmer for another 10 minutes. Add the potato and the carrot and the olives. So the potato and the carrot you add on sitting aside, add them back into it and simmer for 15 minutes. Drop in your capsicum and your liver spread and give it a good stir around and then simmer for a further minute before you serve it hot. And it is absolutely lovely. Is it more of a? Is it a, a stew? Is it? Is it? Does it? Does it thicken yeah. up? What are we looking for? What are we looking for? Once you add that liver paste into it, uh, it it does start to thicken up. And look, if it doesn't um, completely thicken to your your taste, you can uh, add a little bit of um, a flour, maybe like a little bit of flour and water. But that w- it will start to thicken up once you you know you've left it for uh, look just over an hour now. It's probably um, like an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, and, and it'll start to thicken. Once that liver paste goes into it, and uh, absolutely beautiful. And it's got that Spanish, uh, it's got that Spanish influence with those uh, those uh, olives in it, uh, a little bit of gherkin in it, and uh, it's absolutely magic, mate. Sounds like it, mate. Venison, dear, give us one of your one of the Jason Spencer Hunch Catch Cook go-tos. Well, as you know. Uh, West Australia and venison aren't 
<laughs> they're not that popular over here, mate. <laughs> well, they are actually. They're, they're just hard to find. That's all. Yeah. Um, and this is really easy. This is a, a very simple one. And I did a, a barbecue venison spit roast. Uh, the the venison was um, a hind leg, and I had the bone in it. And it was about, uh, I'd say, two to three kilo with the bone in. So I put it on the barbecue or the spit roast, and you want that about um, 160. Yeah, about that. You know, you want to you want it on medium heat. You don't want it on too high. And I mixed a cup of lemon juice, a cup of olive oil, and two or three teaspoons of thyme, and that was dried thyme. And you preheat the barbecue and uh, put your venison leg on uh, on on the spit and uh, just start basting it with that marinade about every 15 minutes. Remove it when it's cooked and cut through or rest it for five minutes uh, before you before you cut it through. Um, carve it up and uh, and then serve it, and it's absolutely beautiful. Does that does that sort of flavour and that marinade yet basting? Does that sort of give it some nice flavour? Yeah, it goes through the meat. It's it's lovely, absolutely lovely, and um, it's uh, it really that really was nice. Yeah, good. It keeps it also too keeps it simple for people that sort of don't feel they're confident, doesn't it? it keeps it sort of simple. They can get good tasting meat with simple recipes. Yeah, that, that's it, and. and and that's what um, I try to. That, that's how I try to keep my uh, cooking. You know, I try to keep it simple. I try to keep it uh, for the average person. You know, there's no use looking at a, a recipe and thinking, well, you know, that's really nice, but uh, I'm not going to be able to cook that because it's just too complicated. Yeah, you know, mate, you're right. That's good. I like it, mate. Rabbit recipe. Those little four-legged uh, friends of <laughs> ours. You know, give us one of your go-to <laughs> rabbit recipes. Right, yeah. This one's called rabbit stefado. Now it's um, it's yeah, an old black. Greek recipe, and um, it, it, it's fairly easy. Uh, you you want a, a large rabbit, or even a couple of large rabbits. You want jointed, uh, two bay leaves, five tablespoons of red wine vinegar or or balsamic vinegar, half a half a cup of olive oil, two tablespoons of tomato paste, teaspoon of sugar, uh, four cloves of garlic crushed. A small cinnamon stick, probably oh, approximately three inches. A teaspoon of allspice, sprig of rosemary, three quarters of a cup of red wine, and a little bit for yourself. Uh, a cup oh, yeah. of uh, hot water, and four or five large brown onions. Uh, and I slice my brown onions up. This this dish has got a lot of onion in it, and uh, salt and pepper to taste. Now, what we're going to do is rinse the uh, rabbit pieces uh, and Put them in a, a mixing bowl together with the bay leaf, the vinegar, and mix it well and leave it to marinate for at least two hours or overnight. It doesn't really matter, but I just leave it for a couple of hours. You know, I can't wait to start cooking it. Um, <laughs> yeah. re- re- remove, the ma- remove the marinade and, uh, and pat it dry with a paper towel. Then heat half the olive oil in a large saucepan and add the rabbit and fry it, fry it until it's brown on all sides. Right. Add mm-hmm. the tomato paste, the bay leaves, and the leftover marinade some sugar, garlic, and the spice and the wine, and add the hot water, and then season with salt and pepper. Bring it to the boil, mixing well, and then reduce the heat and cover for approximately an hour. Now, meanwhile, heat the remaining olive oil in the frying pan and add the onions and saute for about 15 minutes until all the onions are brown all over. And after one hour, add the onions to the saucepan and combine, and cover and simmer for a further 15 minutes. 
remove the, the bit of rosemary sprig and the cinnamon stick and uh, serve it hot on, you know, you can serve it hot on anything, a bit of pasta or noodles or, uh, you know, some potato or something like that. And it, it really is a simple dish. As I said, it's got the rabbit that's got a taste in it of, uh, you know, a little bit of... Um, it's a Greek taste, you know, it's very hard to explain, the red wine vinegar and uh, and the red wine itself, the rosemary, and, and um, it's lovely, mate. Lots of lots of onions in it, and it's a yeah, good hearty that. meal. Love the old good onions. Hearty. Ooh, can't, can't get yeah. enough of the old onions. Good hearty meal. Absolutely. Mate, kangaroo recipe, one of your best ones. Go. Okay, this is, uh, this is my best one. Um, it's kangaroo jerky. Now... This is a fairly easy, you know, and, and people are going to say, well, oh, gee, jerky, well, you need a dehydrator or you need this or you need that. You don't. This is how simple this is, and I've been doing this uh, for years, and it's a big hit with the boys. They come around, have a few beers, and uh, love me kangaroo jerky, right? Here we go. So you want a kangaroo, uh, you want a kilo of kangaroo meat, and I, I usually use the back legs, and they're perfect for it. So uh, those back legs... Um, Slice them up into, say, uh, pointing finger on your hand, pointing finger size strips. It doesn't matter how long it is, but it does matter how thick it is. You don't want it too thick. Uh, you want, two, per kilo of meat, two tablespoons of tomato sauce, two tablespoons of Worcestershire sauce, two tablespoons of soy sauce, a teaspoon of black pepper, a teaspoon of curry powder, and a teaspoon of crushed garlic. Now... Cut all the room meat up into strips, uh, you know, say one centimetre square strips, okay? Place it in a large bowl or, and uh, and then mix all that marinade together and straight over the top of the kangaroo. Mix it up with your hands and get in there and, and make sure it's well covered, the whole lot of it. Stick it in the fridge. And then I usually stick it in the fridge for, it has to really 24 hours. You want it marinating for 24 hours easy. Now, if you have a dehydrator, bring it out and place it on the dehydrator in the tray and uh, and dehydrate it until you like it, the consistency of jerky. If you haven't got a dehydrator, what I used to do before I had a dehydrator is uh, a bit of fishing line, really good strong fishing line and thread it through a needle, tie it under the patio and uh, thread your strips of kangaroo meat onto your fishing line and then, then tie it off and move your kangaroo meat so it's not touching each other. So you want the strips just free hanging on the fishing line under your patio and let it air dry. And it will probably take you a week to air dry it in the winter and probably just a few days to air dry it in summer. And trust me, the flies won't touch it. They won't go near it because it's got a bit of garlic on it and it's got some black pepper. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and it's absolutely fantastic, mate. Nice, when mate. It's, uh, when it's dried you can you can feel it it'll it'll be uh, you don't want it too raw or you, or you don't want it you don't want it too soft you want to let it get nice and hard or firm and then cut one into the fish line and just pull the strips off and uh, absolutely lovely mate that is the go-to recipe for sure yeah how, how long do you normally put them in the uh dehydrator for how long is it what's the, what's the norm for you well the last time i did uh kangaroo i think i was doing uh a fair bit of an I had two dehydrators running at a time and uh, look I think it, it's about uh, 12 hours when I had it dehydrating approximately 12 hours yep. and, and it should be alright you don't want it uh, too high you're going to start cooking the kangaroo meat 
yeah. uh, nice and low is fine, and if uh, low and slow, perfect. Beautiful, mate. You know it's that time, mate. Five questions in under a minute. You're going to take the challenge. Yeah, gone. All right. For so sure. what we're going to do? Let's see if we can do it, mate. I'm just about to start me a recorder. I'll start it as soon as I start asking the questions. See how we go. All right. Ready, set, go. All right. Favorite game meet and why? Okay, it's got to be kangaroo. And people say, oh, geez, all the all the meets in Australia, but it has to be kangaroo. It's really underutilized in Australia. And I'll come back to that question at the end of it, mate. Go on. You're right. Favorite. So favourite game recipe and why? Uh, wild pork, definitely. Yeah. Um, and it's got to be anything, like any part of wild pork, uh, but usually cubed because uh, I like to uh, make some wild pork satay sticks, wild pork sweet and sour or something like that. Uh, usually it's around a barbecue. Yeah, best condiment known to man for game meat, spice, sauce or anything you like? Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back to that one. I'll come back to that one as well, mate, because right. uh, I've got a, a pearl of there. Keep going. Yeah, easy, easiest animal to field dress, and why? Rabbit, um, yeah. because there's, there's so many ways to do it, and you can just half the time you can just pinch the skin and give it a flick. Just the skin's off, the guts is out. Um, easy, mate. Easy. One of those. One of those things. You know, that's easy to field dress. Yeah. Favorite animal to field dress, and why? Deer, usually because if I've shot a deer, I'm having a good day. <laughs> All right, mate, <laughs> we got it. One minute, uh, 12 seconds. So, mate, we'll have to put that down as a failure. Um, yeah, hopefully, if we get you on again, we'll have to go for a third time. Because I, did, I didn't listen to the old podcast. And I think I did. We did this last time. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, I nailed it last time, mate. <laughs> I did, yeah. Oh, sorry, my <laughs> bad, my bad. <laughs> Look, mate, let, me come back to, let me come back to question one again, kangaroo. Um, I've got a uh, a couple of mates over in Michigan in uh, in America, and um, and they've started up uh, a thing called the Helpful Hunter. And now these guys uh, come deer season or come hunting season, they'll go out hunting and and they'll collect their um, their quota, what they need to feed their family. And if they've got spare tags or if they've got spare meat, they'll donate it to the needy. And I really think that kangaroo in Australia is a, such an underutilized meat. Um, we could we could feed a starving nation on the kangaroo that we have here. Sure, I don't. I'm not about uh, wiping them out, um, but I really do feel like that we, um, as a meat, uh, we underutilise it. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, certainly. I tell you what, they should probably readdress the you know the system here in Australia for kangaroos because you know as I said, certainly you know it's uh, good. It's not too expensive. You know people are undertaking themselves. It certainly certainly open up the market for uh, some good organic meat, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and what about for Jack sure. Daniels? Yeah. What's the what's the go with <laughs> Jack Daniels? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I reckon you were drinking Jack Daniels. How did I know you, you were going to ask me that, mate? Um, <laughs> look, it, it makes a perfect. It's it really does make a perfect barbecue marinade or or uh, uh, something to baste on the barbecue. Um, third of a cup of water, third of a cup of brown sugar, third of a cup of uh, soy sauce, half a cup of Jack Daniels whiskey, a tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce, um, a squeeze of lemon juice, a pinch of garlic powder, and a pinch of onion salt. Mm. And mix it up until it's all dissolved. And so you can give it a bit of a... Um, you can heat it up if you want. You can, um, you know, get those... Uh, flavours cooking, you can um, boil it a little bit in a bowl or um, just use it on, as a base um, and, and tip it over, uh, whatever you like, you know. 
every everything you know anything and everything when you're cooking it. And I did some um, uh, what was it fish wings. I, I went fishing out uh, deep sea fishing, and I come back and I had a whole heap of carcasses and wings, and um, I end up doing uh, basically the same marinade, but I had uh, American honey, and uh, I think I've got the uh, recipe there on, on the web page. But um, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, marinated in that, and um, and a bit of a fry on the barbecue, and it's such a really, really quick and easy, simple uh, marinade for all sorts of game meat. Mm, mate, fantastic. Mate, if people want to contact you, they want to go to the website, they want to find out more about Hunt, Catch, Cook, where can they go and what can they do and how can they get in contact with you? Uh, that's a pretty easy one, mate. Um, www.huntcatchcook.com.au. Um, that's the website. Uh, I've got uh, inquiries at Hunt, Catch, Cook. There's a heap of stuff on there. There's like merchandise they can get hold of, uh, shirts and stickers and stubby holders, and uh, there's knives. I'm selling... Uh, survival kits and uh, snake bite bandages uh, this time of the year. So, look, on the, check out my website, have a look at that. And uh, Facebook, spread the word. I'm on Facebook. I'm always updating things on Facebook, and I've got a couple of admin guys now that uh, give me a hand. One one specialises in fishing, and uh, the other is a bit of a full drive enthusiast and uh, loves his uh, desert shooting up in the up in the uh, desert country. And uh, he's uh, right into the game meet as well. And um, look, between us all, we've, uh, we keep the page really interesting, or we like to anyway, we try to, and um, I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, I, I get heaps of questions, mate, so I'm more than happy to answer them at Facebook um, or answer them on my, on my webpage. Perfect, mate. Again, thanks for coming on the show for a second time. Hopefully we'll be able to do this again, you know, sometime soon for a third time and keep this sort of partnership uh, we've got going and uh, get some more tasty recipes as you, you know, hunt, catch, cook develops uh, uh, more and you get some more recipes. And uh, hopefully again, mate, we'll have you on again soon to again share some of those uh, fantastic and tasty recipes. Thanks again for coming on the show, Jase. Really appreciate it. For sure, for sure, Jase. No worries at all, mate. And uh, thanks for having us. It's been fantastic. Always look forward to talking to you, mate. And um, as I said, if anyone wants recipes or uh, want information or um, hints and tips on cooking stuff or, hey, look, if you've just created this fantastic uh, recipe, flick me a line, flick us a photo. I, I'm always looking and always commenting uh, and, and love it. But uh, once again, thanks very much for having us, mate. It's been fantastic. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.